Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I'm always looking to help the Next Level Soul audience take their soul to the next level. And I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys with a ton of free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Some of these master classes are taught by spiritual masters, relationship experts, best selling authors, legends in the personal growth and spirituality space, and so much more. So if you want to sign up for any of our free mind, body, and soul masterclasses, just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have Peter Michael Anthony, who doesn't just only have an amazing near-death experience story, but he also tells us how he became a psychic detective and helped solve murders for police departments around the country. He has been on television, he's been on all major news networks showing his abilities, and it is a fascinating, fascinating conversation with Peter. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Peter Michael Anthony. How are you doing, Peter? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm excited to talk to you because you've, you have led an interesting life to say the least, my friend. <laughs> and we both- well, co- you know, Alex, as I said, I, I, I'm thrilled to be a part of your show. And after looking at so many different people that you've interviewed on, in my paranormal world, um, I, I, as I said earlier, before we went on camera, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. So thank you very much. And also to your listening audience, um, I learned something on the other side called choice. And so today when you decide or tomorrow or the next day or next year or years from now, you watch this video, I'm saying to you right now, thank you. You've made a part of my day and part of my world, a part of your day. And that's called choice. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate that, my friend. I appreciate that. So we're going to talk a little bit uh, about your near-death experiences, plural. Uh, but before that, what was your life like prior to you having your near-death experiences? Well, I think the person that I was before, um, I was agnostic. I was a very talented artist. Uh, I was studying to become a special effects makeup artist. So I wanted to go into you know, the industry, the film industry, and create these amazing monsters. I, I was a fan of Terminator and Alien and all those different, you know, franchises. So I took a job at CBS News to get into the union. I, and I took that job at the news division as a freelance image consultant begrudgingly, never realizing that would be the the catalyst that would just jumpstart my career. But prior to that, I think shy, introverted. I had a speech impediment. Um, and I say agnostic, I was born and raised Catholic. So I think when I lost the majority of my family uh, in my early 20s, I went into this thing called, you know, my sister was my best friend. So when I lost my sister, especially and the rest of my family, 
I went to this place called anger towards God because I just can imagine having all this yanked out of my life at such a young age. So I've been an orphan since my 20s. So I think that part of it for me kind of propelled me down the wrong path, materialistic, career driven. You know, my uh, goal was to be in the LA, the industry, and I was driven by that. So that part of my life, which was way, way, way many years ago, was who I was at the time. So tell me about your first near-death experience. Well, we were having a rap party and um, I'd finished doing something for CBS with, we were doing a tribute, I think, to the MGM years. And, uh, and then we were having a little uh, birthday party. It was my pre-birthday party. And um, I remember that night, it was rainy, it was cold. Um, I remember the moon was out. And I was given my birthday cake and I was about to blow the candles out. And just in a matter of moments, I felt this sharp pain in my intestinal tract here on, on my left side. And so let me back up just a little bit. Um, June 4th of that, of that 1987, I uh, had been misdiagnosed. They thought I had a stomach ulcer. And, you know, being in the industry, you know, we're so driven and there's no such thing as a day off. You're always doing something, especially in the news division. So my life was just 24 uh, seven, you know, industry. And I let something simple go. And this was back during the AIDS epidemic. And as I began to lose weight from June 4th of 2000, excuse me, of 1987, I went from 165 to 145 to 135 to 110 and you know back during that period of time alex um you know the aids epidemic was just being hyped by our media and so for me at that time working for the cbs news division uh corporation i was afraid that if i uh uh you know if i i thought i had aids because i kept looking at the the, the sure. loss of weight and i began to get these lesions on my torso and my neck I would stuff my suits with Kleenex and newspapers so people could tell that I was losing weight, putting makeup on my face. So up to that night, uh, when we had our wrap party, I kind of belted over in severe pain, went to the, to, the, to the restroom. And I remember I got very dizzy and I passed out and I hit my head on the sink. And someone found me in, in the restroom and got me up and I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. Um, I don't remember much about that night. I remember I went home and I before I hit... Uh, excuse me, before I uh, opened my door, I hit the ground and, and one of my neighbors found me and I was rushed to the uh, to the hospital. And uh, that whole night was just kind of ethereal because you're looking at, you know, the amulets and the lights flashing red and you're seeing the cityscape before you and kind of in a pause mode, if you will. Uh, I was watching this as though I was watching something on slow mo or slow motion. And uh, I knew something had happened. And then getting into the into the hospital in the late 80s, I mean, at that time, looking at me, I think at the, I was probably at 110 and the makeup had come off and they could see these little spots on my on my chest and on my neck and the admitting clerk freaked out. And uh, so they wouldn't check me in. And uh, the, the, the neighbor who brought me there um, just threw a big fit. And they eventually got me in. But the, the young intern who was there, the nurse, excuse me, um, he finally came in, he was suited up like, uh, you know, like I was radioactive. And I remember him pushed me down the hallway and I could see his eyes. I couldn't see anything else because he was all suited up and he had perspiration right here on his nose. And he was looking down at me like I, you know, like I was going to jump out and just not take his life. And then he just pushed me into a, a corridor by the emergency exit and left me there. And so I think it must've been an hour, an hour and a half later as I'm bleeding on this gurney. 
uh, a nurse found me. And uh, so she was the one that I became my, uh, I guess my hero of the night. She's the one that went into, uh, uh, got me on the gurney and took me down to the, uh, to the OR check-in. And then she tried to convince the nurses and, and the anesthesiologist to get me prepped for OR. And they were afraid because again, there was so much hype and I remember they said to her, and I was in this little curtain, cubicle 11, I remember that. Um, and the curtain came up, the anesthesiologist looked at me, closed the curtain, and he said, Sullivan, you've exposed us to the AIDS virus, what have you done? <laughs> and so all this gossip, it started from, you know, from the admitting clerk down to where I was. And it was, wow. I think for me, looking back at that part of my life, Alex, you know, it was the greatest lesson of social profiling. Um, because here I was, um, you know, working for CBS News and in, in the News Vision as an image consultant, and here I'm being social profiled as being gay, as being uh, in the last stages of the AIDS virus, and no one wanted anything to do with me. So Sullivan went beyond the call of duty and made sure that I got to the OR. So that's where I think the, you know, part two of this drama began to unfold. So what was part two? Part two. Um, again in and out of consciousness but i remember she was talking to the nurses and to the or staff and trying to get me into or because and you, you could i mean here i've been losing blood a lot of blood backtrack here i had didn't know at the time that I had tuberculosis didn't know at the time that i had crohn's disease and this whole six months of getting to the two emergency room i had lost so much weight from losing so much blood and just eating bland food just to try to keep my body you know i guess sustained and I just couldn't do it. So by the time I got into that, to that night on November the 11th, I mean, I was just kind of a weak little duckling just trying to survive for my life. But in and out of consciousness, I could see her arguing with, with the, uh, I guess, with, uh, with the crew. And I went blank. And the next thing you know, I'm in the OR. Uh, I'm being turned over on my side. I remember the anesthesiologist said, this is going to hurt. And five, four, three, two, one, boom. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I, could, I remember seeing this tunnel and you hear so often times people talk about the spinning tunnel. I call it the bullseye. And here I am right before I'm about to go out and I'm seeing this tunnel and this clock and it's spinning. And I can actually feel as though something had attached itself to my solar plexus. And as though I was being vacuumed into this, into this tunnel. And then at this one point in time, I remember me, Peter Anthony, in spirit form, looking down at Peter Anthony in physical form and watching, yet again, in slow motion, these doctors go to medical protocol. And so I could hear their thoughts, see the fear in their faces, and here they are trying to save money down on the operating table with Peter Anthony looking down at me there was no being there was no physicality there was nothing it was just if you will spirit form and i remember uh, as that tunnel began to spin and i could feel myself going towards that tunnel and i mentioned earlier here that this it was though something had attached itself to my solar plexus and i felt this snap and i went into this into this tunnel what what happened at that moment, which is interesting for me, I began to see, and you hear this so oftentimes in near-death experiences, that familiar faces were reading me at that tunnel. Um, the first phase of that were past lives. And I looked back at these people who I 
recognized from the 1700s and the 1800s and the 1600s. And I say that because these were all people in period costumes, yet I identified with some of these people. I knew them intimately and from the heart, I just connected with these people. And then phase two of that, I began to see uh, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Bellamy. I, I, but I, I, and so often in my interviews, I talk about looking at Mrs. Bellamy, here was this beautiful young woman versus the person that I, that I, that was my teacher in third grade, who was kind of frumpy and very bitter and just very sad. But I saw this happy person, this happy soul, and she was greeting me. And so as I began to go into this tunnel, I think the first part of what happened to me as I'm going through this tunnel, um, whew, is, you know, I'm sorry, going back in that moment, I began to see mathematical codes, 11, 11, 3, 3, 3, 2, 2, 2, 4, 4, 4, 7, 7, 7, 9, 9, and, and other codes, which I don't want to go into now because I'm writing about in my next book. But I began to digest these codes and these mathematical equations. And at that time, there were no, certainly no numerology books that basically identified 222 or 333 or 777 or 999. And I'm watching all this. And as, as I'm going through this tunnel, I'm digesting these mathematical symbols. I'm allowing the, the spirit world, whatever you want to call it, to digest into my consciousness and not questioning what I'm seeing. Uh, part three of that, I think for me, when I go into consciousness, which is very important for so many of us, um, when you are tapping into the Akashic Records, when you're tapping into the collective consciousness, you have the mind of Darwin, you have the mind of Einstein, you have the mind of the prophets, you have the mind of your third grade school teacher and everything that she's read. You just have this mind of the collective intelligence and you're not questioning, what am I seeing and why am I hearing this and how come I know? You're, you don't go to that frame of thought. Where you go is you allow yourself to go through this tunnel, not questioning. And then phase, I think, what, three or four of that was the, the colors that I began to see. And as an artist, um, the colors I saw on the other side, to this day, I, you know, if I could, if I still maintain the skills of, of my artistic background, um, I could try to or attempt to paint these colors that I've never seen before. And then add sound. And the reason why I say math and sound and color, because later on in life, I began to realize that if we had to communicate with a with an entity from the other side, it's going to be through color, it's going to be through sound, or it's going to be through math. And at the time, I didn't know that these mathematical symbols that I was seeing would later lead me to my paranormal world. So as I'm going into this, this other, this, the, the tunnel, I'm just allowing consciousness to take me to where I need to go. That's kind of a long-winded story, but that's pretty much the wind of it. Right. So it's kind of like you were being downloaded matrix style. Just uh... <laughs> You just said it, downloaded matrix style. And going back to uh, uh, to Neo, you see all those codes in his in, and when he was talking, I can't remember the very end of the movie, and you see all those those matrices where every part of he his could see body, everything. Yeah, he sees everything. Everything. Now. That's what was happening to me. Uh, this matrix. It, but uh, I remember once I downloaded the information of the math and the downloaded the consciousness of all the great leaders, and you know, it's almost like reading the Bible from from zero to sixty, and you're getting everything. Every speed, your speed reading it's a download it's it's literally like you're it transferring files you're boom, transferring boom, files. boom 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 you're getting it so all right so at what point uh but while you're in the in the near-death experience did you have anything like a life review or did you see the any? life review yeah 
And that's something that's very interesting because if you, uh, we call them in my world, um, and not many people know this, but it's something I share so many of the, of the, of the medical, uh, you know, the, the, the experts talk about the, uh, the PFF, the personal flash forward, just a life review. Um, which I which I which happened to me, and then it's called the PV, Planetary Worldwide Visions, which I also experienced. So not only was I experiencing the, the life review, but when I went to level two and to a place called Bordeaux, I began to see these world events that would take place from the moment I was dying up until 2029. Oh, so you yeah, a lot you of were, information I know. <laughs> so you were you were you were also given the opportunity to see future events as yes. well. Did you have, uh, did you see spirit guides? Did you see ascended masters? Uh, who, so who, who, who showed up? <laughs> well, after I went through this tunnel and this is very bizarre, but I, I did a lecture in Los Angeles back in 2000, I think 14 or 15 and the facilitator, you know, was listening to my story and I, I talk about this, but uh, once I got out of the tunnel, I ended up in this large tree and I remember, um, to my left, there is this, and I say entity, I don't even know what to call it, an angel, an ascended master, someone someone advanced. Uh, and oftentimes when I've done lectures, people want to know if that was Jesus Christ. And I said, no, I, I can't say that. I don't know. All I can tell you that this person that is sitting next to me was surrounded by light. Uh, I'm in a tree and my life review is unfolding before me and he and I are communicating, I say he because it was male, are communicating with each other telepathically. We're again, it's almost like we're sharing information from mind to mind. And so as my life review began to unfold, uh, and I say this, we go back to zero to 60, you know, there's so much that happens during that life review. I remember the time that I was born and, and experiencing that and seeing it and feeling and watching myself as a young baby being delivered to the time I died in the operating table you know, uh, on, on uh, 19, 1987, on 11-11, uh, in operating room number 11. And I remember seeing that and just boom, boom, boom. Everything was just accelerating speed, time, and every second of my life was being recorded or had been recorded. And there are moments that we forget about that, you know, we look back in life and these little moments of having a conversation with a stranger in a park or riding your bike and saying hello to a neighbor, or you know, standing at CVS and arguing with the clerk because she did something wrong. Every bit of these moments I was experiencing were my moments. Were they uh, moments of, 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 of repenting for all the horrible things I did? No, because it wasn't so much that. It was these little things that I saw on the other side about my life and what I could have done, should have done, and didn't do that made me realize that how important life is Every moment of life that we experience on this planet today, for me, today is a moment for me to go out and just be the best person I can be, do the very best that I can, and to greet and to smile and be happy and give compliments and to make people feel good about themselves. Because those are little small matters in life, those little tidbits of kindness that shifts consciousness. And again, I'm digesting this and allowing this information to come through. And I'm seeing all these different points of my life where I shined and I'm seeing points in my life where I didn't shine. And I don't call it so much sin as much as I refer to it as human error. A negative or a positive 
in the experience well like charge. i mean where we don't shine i mean you know i think you know there's this area as a negative positive but i think you know there's areas where we really want to be better people better people and i think you you right. have a little voice that says you know well, you should have done that you know that little that voice is you know this is great thank you you know to self for, for doing this you feel good about it. in other words helping a lady across the street or or giving uh money to the girl scouts i mean you know and you're looking mm-hmm. in their eyes and you just see that I just need this money desperately. please help me out. And you just do that out of the kindness of your heart. Those are the things in life that shift consciousness, you know, not our, our leaders, but the, it's real people, real men and women and children. And I call them the unsung heroes that really shift consciousness. And that to me is important. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now, so a lot of times when I talk to near-death experiencers, mm. um, most of the times they're positive. It doesn't sound yes. like you had any negative experiences, meaning like a hellish place or anything like that, correct? No, and I I watched some of these near-death experience videos. Uh, just press no. Did I see hell? No. Uh, did I see heaven? I was in a stratosphere of something beyond belief. Um, do I believe in God now? Absolutely. But not in the God that, that you know, I, I think so many religious people talk about. I mean, the God that I encountered was an ethereal being. It was uh, fragments of energy. It was consciousness. Real important. It was consciousness. You know, again, when you're going through this tunnel, you're not in physical form. That's real important. And people, when, when, they, when they talk to you, they automatically think, you know, that like a movie, you're in physical form and you're going through this tunnel and your hands are here and your feet are there and you're straddling trying to breathe. That's not it. You are nothing but fragments of energy, matter. And as you're going through this tunnel and you're going into your life review, you're looking at your life review through the eye of a camera. Mm-hmm. So going back to hell, did I see it? No. Uh, did I talk to Jesus Christ? I, I don't know who that man was. I can, again, I mentioned it was an enlightened being. And I, I knew that this person was certainly vibrating at a, at a, at a, at a rate or a luminosity, if you will, that higher than I, that I was, but I listened and I watched and I learned. Um, and then I think part, you know, part of that live review um, taught me a lot about Peter Anthony. And I remember when I was given a choice, do you want to go back? Um, and, and seeing all this my errors, my human errors on the other side, or excuse me, on my physical life on, on, on earth. And then again, seeing the world events of where we were going, I was seeing war, I was seeing, you know, corrupt politicians, I was seeing you know, the animal kingdom being persecuted for no apparent reason. I mean, seeing all these different things in life that to me, when you, it's almost like watching a very, uh, you know, just this battling of good versus evil, and, and you want uh, good to win, but it seems like evil is winning, but you're, you're watching all this, but you're watching it from a perspective of what can I learn from this and how can I benefit from this and what can I do, you know, given the choice to go back to make the, the, the world a better place. That's where your mind is going. And then I'm also on some levels as I'm watching our, our earth being, you know, tortured by greed. Uh, I remember, um, and again, me going back to that belief of being agnostic, not believing in anything. I remember watching the massacre of the dolphin and, and what so many politicians all around the world were doing behind closed doors and the fires and the earthquakes and the, the famine and just war. And I remember 
my soul cried out, this is not what God intended. And I remember those words, those, that thought coming out of my mind. And then just this light began to kind of expand. I imagine like the, the sun, this fragment of light, these particles just all around you. And the voice said, do you want to go back? Do you want to go back? And I was given a choice to go back. And I go back to what I said earlier to your, to your listening audience. I was given a choice. Do you want to go back? Knowing what, what was ahead of my life, knowing what I saw with the, with the uh, PV or the planetary worldwide events, knowing what I learned from my, my life review, do you want to go back? And I saw myself no longer stuttering. And I saw myself losing my artistic abilities, but doing work in the paranormal world that just for me, uh, stunned me and seeing that I was a writer and I was traveling around the world lecturing on human kindness and, and the, the importance of near-death experiences at a time when this subject was not welcomed. Right. And so do you want to go back? Yes, I said. And I went back. Now, there was, I think in another interview I saw of yours, you talked about purgatory Did you, or yes. something like that. I've never, in all of the conversations I've had, never heard of that uh, experience. Can you Bardot. talk about it? Yeah. What is yeah, that? Bardot. Bardot was the in-between place. Uh, are you familiar with the Thin Veil? Mm -hmm. The Thin Veil is, is the world beyond. And uh, I call it the cleansing station because, you know, you've had your life review. And then now for me, who's experiencing the, 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 I guess if you want to call them prophecies and seeing the, uh, this world, I'm in this state of in-between. And I learned this as, an, as a paranormal investigator. Part of my success as a paranormal investigator was taking that what I saw on the other side. And you stay in a physical world and you go into a spiritual world and you stay in that in-between world. So oftentimes when I'm filming and I'm in a physical world taping, I'm also tapping over to the other side in a spiritual world and then on camera, five, four, three, two, one, go and speak to the camera and speak to the ghost, all that. I learned when I was on the other side of Bordeaux, this limbo state of consciousness. And I stayed there for a moment and I called the cleansing station because I was able to, it's almost as I don't want to use the word washing the sins away because it wasn't that. Um, but I felt like I was washing away the impurities of my consciousness. Right. All the crap that you brought back with you. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that earthly stuff that doesn't matter. How much money am I going to make? You know, you know, well, what are the Kardashians, what are the Kardashians doing? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. The important stuff. Issues that really don't matter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so for me, as I said, I letting go of those attachments that really weren't important to this planet. And uh, so I think for me being in Bordeaux, that, you know, limbo stage of consciousness, it allowed me, it's almost like when we're meditating, we're going to that place of just that aha moment, mm -hmm. you know, how do you describe the world you're in at that moment? You're just in an altered state. And again, going back, you're allowing whatever to come in your, in your thoughts, your thinking, your, you're just allowing it. And I was watching all this and I remember given that choice and I, I'll never forget that. Do you want to go back? Because after I came back and I got into the, into the real world and took this other side information, uh, I remember that I, looking back, it's always about a choice. I, am I going to talk to someone today or be rude? Am I going to talk to American Express or one of those and have a moment because something is wrong with my with my uh, bill? You know, those moments for me going back into that place called Bordeaux, I learned to go to the highest perspective of consciousness. And that's why I think for me that Bordeaux was so important. Because, you know, when we come back, just because you come back doesn't mean it's an easy world to come back to. 
And back then, you know, this this type of thinking, the near-death experience, we even call it a near-death. You know, they whispered, did you go to the other side? Did mm-hmm. you see anything? You know, they mm-hmm. just didn't talk about it. And so for me, I think when I did come back, once I went through this hell of recovering, and it was three months of just medical, God, it was horrible. But it just, things you go through just to try to survive. And then I think for me, coming back, the people who didn't believe, you know, I came back talking and wanted to talk about what I experienced on the other side. I couldn't stop talking. And for those who knew me up to that, you know, the Peter Anthony who went in uh, uh, to the hospital that night, I just didn't talk. If you got a yes or no or a nod from Peter Anthony, that was, wow, he, he, he said something today. So when I came back, I was like the Mikey. I couldn't stop talking. I wanted everyone to know what I saw on the other side and the doctors and the nurses and my friends were looking at me like I something had happened to me. And I, you know, and eventually many of those people kind of disappeared. And what little bit of family I did have also disappeared. So I think, you know, what we don't hear from near-death experiences, the struggles that not only do we face medically, but mm-hmm. the world of the men and women of the cloth and the therapists, uh, you know, your friends, your neighbors, the, your coworkers, uh, people just weren't talking about. How did so, you uh, how did how did you deal psychologically with that? I was tough. I think for me, the loneliness of coming back and having all this information right. and not knowing what to do with it. And then I think, and I say this to your audience, because I've learned to stand in my truth. And that truth is I listen to the priests. I listen to the ministers. I listen to the rabbis. I listen to the therapists. I listen to all those experts, the doctors. They all have the opinion, no, 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 no. And as I began to navigate down this world of no's, the truth never goes away, Alex. You know what you saw. You know what you experienced. You know those numbers you saw on the other side. And that never goes away. And so as I began to, to listen to those people, the more and more I began to realize they weren't there. They didn't see it. And I think for me, <laughs> there was a moment, and again, fall away Catholic here, but um, I went to see a priest and I thought, I have to talk to somebody because, you know, here we are, right? I'm a former Catholic. And I thought, well, if anyone's going to believe me, it's going to be this Catholic priest. And I'm going to sit. And I went in there, you know, I kind of, I was going from Catholic church to Catholic church, trying to find the perfect priest I wanted to, to share my story with. Right. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I find this priest, I thought he was young. He seemed hip. And I went in there. And of course, I sat down in his in his office, and he just listened to me. I mean, I could see his eyes going wide at times. Um, then when I went into the the numbers and the and the planetary visions and stuff, and the Bartow, <laughs> he's I'm out. Stop. I'm out. Pretty much so. And I remember he got up, opened the door, and he said, "I want you to go in, and I want you to recite, you know, five Hail Marys and five Our Fathers, and just be done with this." And I remember leaving and I had never felt so wounded right? because you're trying to, in your world, you're trying to make sense of what happens to you on the other side and no one is believing you. Your friends are leaving. Your family doesn't talk to you. So I think for me, it was a struggle and to have that door open and closed on me. But then we go to the higher perspective and I was sitting there crying. And just, you know, begging God, you know, please let someone listen to me. Believe me. I remember this nun coming by and sitting down next to me. And I remember grabbing my hand and, and she said, this will pass. 
And that one little moment of, sorry. That one moment of kindness. Yeah. That one second of kindness was enough to push me forward. And I didn't stop. And, and, and I mean, when you go through something like that, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you know at this point, everything that happens to us is happens to us for a reason. Uh, every little little thing that even happens to us happens to us for our evolve our evolution. And you were in many ways being tested uh, when you came oh, back. God. <laughs> I mean, and then some. <laughs> and well, then you know, and, and you know, going back to that being tested, I'm like, you know, I'm not a very good student here. So <laughs> you know, me I'm, either, my friend. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a wuss. So kind of help you, me out Can here. you take it? Can you take it easy on me? I just yeah. died. Can you take it easy? On me? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can you give me, I don't know, a year. Can you give me a little time to breathe? No, it's it's fascinating. But isn't it amazing, though, that one little moment of kindness is exactly what you needed at that moment yeah. to keep going. And it's so true. It's the that's why I always tell people when you see somebody on the street, you know, homeless, don't judge them. You have no idea what their story is. Don't 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 judge what if you're going to give them five bucks. Oh, you're just going to go buy booze or drugs. Like you don't. No, be kind, be empathetic to that person because you don't know when that little smile, that little, here's a dollar. You don't know what that dollar means. It means nothing to you, but to them, it could mean the world. It could set them off on a new path, just like that lady did. And it goes back to that choice. I could have walked out and stormed and, and, and you know, and cursed the priest, oh. but I went in and I nailed down and started praying and, and you know, the nun showed up. So that moment, it wasn't about the priest, it was about the nun, and it was about me surrendering. And so I think for me, looking back at that moment, that one little gesture of kindness also was a reminder of what I saw on the other side, because we don't know the shadows of despair, what someone else is experiencing. We don't know that we are that, that beacon of light for that person that day. Right. And that's why I really try to shine, where my challenges are always, you know, with, when you're, there's a, a you know, the electric bill is high and there's something wrong with that. I mean, I always end up with these little telephone conversations with the agent who doesn't care, you know, that DMV kind of persona. <laughs> That's where I'm being tested the most, right? Mm -hmm. So you really have to like take a deep breath and, and go into this place of, okay, what is this moment teaching me? Right. And where can I be kind? And I've had moments where they had been amazing. And, and I remember one uh, talking to the supervisor, one of the cable companies said, you know what, you've been a member and you've been a, a client of ours forever. Now. I'm going to give you a discount of $30 a month and just going that extra mile of kindness. And it's not the, 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 the financial payoff as much as just the conversation is the payoff. So right. I've learned to navigate within those, those walls of consciousness. Now you've mentioned a couple of times in this conversation that you, you've came back with a little bit of Couple gifts along the way. Yeah. Um, what what abilities did you lose coming back, and what abilities did you gain coming back? Well, I go back to something that's really important to me. Um, I was a gifted artist. I, I could sketch, paint, sculpt, build. You name it. My 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 driven career. My my end result was special effects. That's where I was going. That's what you know. In my world at that time to me that was like that was the end all right mm -hmm. and so for me the gift of losing my amazing artistic abilities and it didn't happen like you know I, I came back and i can't paint anymore it was a gradual process but 
as I began to lose these amazing gifts as an artist, I also began to have these experiences with the numbers I saw on the other side. So an example, um, I'm leaving a client and, I, and I'm like, what's happening? Why can't I, I why am I not able to do the basic things or if I'm painting something at home, I just couldn't do it. And I began to see that gradually fade away and I'd go out and say, okay, God, what's happening here? And I'd look up and I'm at 11, 11 a.m. in the morning, right? And I'm at 333 Geary Street. And I'm, you know, you're looking at this and going, okay. And I didn't realize at the time that these mathematical symbols were communicating to me. And so what I've learned to do, and I do this every year, I uh, kind of celebrate my, uh, my, my death and rebirth on 11-11 and celebrate that until 11-29 of November. But I always go off and I go to the grids on the, on, the, on the planet. And that's where I do my homework and my gratitude and my thank you list for all the amazing things that have happened to me this past year. So good to know you'll be on that thank you list when I enter uh, the end of November. So, uh, <laughs> but as I said, for me, it's those little things. And so, as I said, as I began to lose these abilities as an artist, my mathematical skills were absolutely amazing. I, I was just able to digest. And people look at me when I'm, you know, when I'm, an example, working on a homicide case, and I'm like looking at the birthdays and the first responding officer's birthday and the time of death, suspects. I'm, I have a piece of paper and I'm writing all these mathematical uh, symbols down. And I, I, I look like I'm some wild person with, with, with a pad with all these numbers. And they're looking, what are you doing? It makes sense to me. I look like a crazy person, you know, I mean, I've lost my mind, but this is some way that I guess from the other side, they're communicating with me. And so as I began to accept this gift and say goodbye to the, uh, the artistic abilities, I began to understand that this, there was a reason for this. And so eventually this, this mathematical skill led me to the paranormal world and working on homicide cases and solving not only paranormal cases, but homicide cases by using, the, by using my mathematical abilities. Wow, that's the yeah, because that's where you kind of started to, you know, kind of make your make your bones, if you will, uh, <laughs> as as a as a, you know, you were on television and you started doing a lot of this kind of work and you solved a tremendous amount of cases to my understanding. Well, right? you know, I think for me, as I said, everything goes back to math um, and something else, too, that I gained that people don't talk about. Uh, and I've never heard another host interview other narrative experiences. We come back heightened. Mm hmm. Our sense of taste, our sense of sight, our sense of smell, and for me, the sense of color. So I'm able to, there's a gift called synesthesia, so I'm able to go into Mother Nature and I'm able to see auras on trees and plants. In the beginning, I thought I was crazy, but there's an actual gift that you have. And again, we go back to 333 Geary Street. And it's 11, 11 a.m. And all of a sudden you're looking up and you're seeing auras around this, the skyscrapers. You know, at first I thought there's something wrong with my vision. And so I learned to work with the shadows and colors as a parallel investigator. So when I saw dark shadows on someone, example, I worked on one case when I arrived on the crime scene, the, 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 uh, the victim who had been shot by a neighbor who was now suspect. Um, I remember looking down at this at this, I guess, where the where this imprint of where this man that had passed had been shot. And I could see all these dark shadows forming around uh, uh, the crime scene uh, area. And I remember talking to the homicide detective at the time. He wasn't the lead on that case, but he was the man that brought me in. And I said, this man right here that has been shot actually is, is a criminal. I said, I, I, I said, I think he's a pedophile. And uh, it kind of changed the entire ingredients of the investigation. 
So what I've learned to do is I've learned to trust my mathematical instincts. I've learned to trust the gift of synesthesia and I've learned to trust the shadows. And in my next book, The Excellent Prophet, I introduced the shadows uh, on my paranormal cases, my first paranormal case, my homicide case. And I learned to work within the shadows and the colors in the spirit world. And that became for me, my, my, I guess my key to my success as an investigator. And part two of that is before I go on a case, I would listen to trance music. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I would listen to, you know, at that time back in the nineties, there was Enigma, uh, Inya. Sure. Uh, there was a, uh, those wonderful, uh, there was a DJ back in, uh, I think it was Amsterdam. His name was Armand Van Buren. I would listen to all this trance music and I would become so heightened. So what would happen when I went on these cases, I would, you know, let spirit guide me, let the colors guide me, let the gift of synesthesia guide me, but it also let the music guide me. Because when you get into the, to that, the different levels of the REM cycle, the alpha, the beta, the theta, the delta consciousness, you begin to surrender the logical world and let the thin veil the world of Bardot into your consciousness. And that's what I began to, I guess my success uh, began there in that first homicide case, which led me to sightings, which led me to, I, there's so many different shows I've worked on throughout my career, but the sightings was the very first show that when I showed up as an earth experiencer, they didn't care. Well, he's had an earth experience and this one had an out-of-body experience. And I was like, oh my God, I was in a world where my for people. the first time being declined, <laughs> Yeah my, yeah, my tribe. <laughs> Hello. I was thrilled to hear this. And I remember working my first uh, paranormal case. And, you know, I was so nervous. And what am I going to say? And I didn't I've never worked on the camera before. I'd always been behind scenes. And they said, talk to the camera. And the ghost just appeared. And I just, okay, you know, and they're all cool about it. And blah, 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 blah. They just let me talk and let me be Peter Anthony. And thus my career began. And you're also in your ability to also see entities uh spirits also was another thing that came in i've heard that from multiple people i've interviewed that that is an ability they come back with that they're able some people see angels yes. uh some people see spirits some people just you know and i always love like so are you like whoopi goldberg and ghost <laughs> and they're like kind of but the whoopi didn't see them she felt them which was she was she was an actual medium that would jump in and she would do all that kind of stuff, which was a, a, a different way. There's so many different ways you could talk to spirits if you're going to talk to them. Oh, um, absolutely. It's like well, they come to my place. This place that you're that you're interviewing me, by the way, is you know I've done so many different cases here when I moved to Palm Springs and traveling around the world, and you know they they follow me home, and uh, and they stay here and like Whoopi Goldberg, it's, it's time for you guys to leave. But also the other good news on this, when I was working on a case, and oftentimes, and I want to, you know, belittle some of the the, the uh, paranormal shows that are on these days because they are so more in, into the boo effect. This creates scare for our, our, our viewing ratings. audience and therefore ratings. ratings. And I just, I don't do that. I mean, if there's a real haunting, if there's a real case I'm working on, spirit will always show up the night before I go on a case. And when they appear in my room, I know that I'm working on a real case. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Do you also, are you, do you have the ability to see auras around people? Yes. Or energy around people? So you, you see yes, that as I well. Do. That actually began um, once I got up to ICU, I was um, out for three and a half weeks. I was unconscious for three and a half weeks. Um, and I remember when I opened up my eyes and the, and the doctors and nurses were there, the first thing that happened to me were all the wars around the nurses and doctors. 
I didn't know at the time, you know, what was happening. Uh, and so as I began to understand this new gift, uh, nowadays, I just accept the gift and, and work with it. Sometimes on a Friday night when I'm driving around, I go out, you know, just as a, it sounds really odd. I sound kind of like a, a little freak here, but um, I go out and look for the auras in the skies and drive around the boulevards at nighttime and just look at the sky and see all the auras coming in. And I talk about this, but it's about a consciousness. When you're getting into a state of, of gratitude, predominantly, right. and you're allowing the, the universe to, uh, to come into your world, um, it is about being aligned with your grids. And the more aligned you are in the, the state of gratitude, the more you're able to see on the other side. Do you want to grab that real quick? I turn that Pause phone it. off and I don't turn my phone off. There should be no reason why that phone's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. So Peter, I have to ask you because I've asked a lot of people that come back with are we, abilities. Are we on recording yeah, now? yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start again. So I have to ask you, um, there's so many, so many people that I've talked to that have come back with gifts. I got to imagine since you weren't raised with this information, you weren't, you know, had access to books about this or even a family of, you know, of psychics or of mediums or of people who saw auras, right? This is all new to you. Psychologically, how do you deal with this stuff? Because it, I mean, not for nothing, it's kind of strange. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like out there. And for someone who has never experienced it to start getting all of this numbers and numerology and, and auras and, and shadows and ghosts showing up or spirits showing up, that has to take a toll, especially at the beginning. Well, in the beginning, and remember I go back to the conversation we had earlier. I mean, the, you know, the people that weren't listening to me. And so when you're seeing spirits show up, in your world you're freaking out you really right. are and then add the fact that you're seeing colors and you're seeing uh again we go back to those mathematical symbols um i was seeing all this and i go back to the, the advantage i had versus i say the other people who've not had near the experience was i knew truth inside right and it, people that were the experts um they never failed to disappoint unfortunately and so I had to really rely on my, my, my own perspective. So what I did uh, is I began to go to the library. We didn't have Google back in the 90s. So I began to go back and go into the libraries and just read everything that I could. But then the gift of something great began to happen in my life uh, in the film industry. As I'm doing all this being kind of closeted about my near-earth experience, all these great female leaders were coming into my world. Sean McLean. So we talked about it. So she was kind of a person that would allowed me to be that person who had a near-earth experience. Then I got a chance to work with the Academy Award-winning Greer Garson. We were doing the, uh, uh, the CBS, uh, CBS was doing a tribute to Greer Garson and some of the other great stars at that time. She was all into this. She was into ETs and UFOs. So the beautiful divine path ahead of me wasn't, even though I had those who said no, on the other side of it, I had those who said yes. And the people that I admired were the people I was listening to. So this path for me was like the aha, the aha, the aha of your no, 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 no. But I would look at them and the way they handled themselves in the interview with me and they would talk to me and they talked down at me. And I thought, you know, that doesn't resonate with my consciousness. And I go back to what I said earlier, you know the truth. And so you never let go of that because you know what you saw on the other side. And then when you're seeing those numbers over and over and over again, and back in the 90s, there was no 222. There, were no, there wasn't a 333. There, you know, was a little bit. So Laura was writing a book called 1111. At that time, all these people around the planet in like the mid 90s were seeing the number 1111. And I'm reading this book 
and it wasn't the book for me. And it wasn't until 9-11 that consciousness shifted. And then all of a sudden the next year was you know, 02, 02, I mean, uh, excuse me, 02, 02, 02. And then it went 03, 03. And then all of a sudden collective consciousness began to tap into the 3 to 3 and the 4 for 4 and the 2 2 2. And I went, ah, this is it. And then all of a sudden there were books, or I should say pamphlets, information online about these numbers. And I go back to what happened to me on the other side. It was the aha, the proof of the pudding that allowed me to believe more in my in my gift. So it was a it was seven years of of just allowing information and trying not to let the other's opinions um, become my truth. That was where I failed, I think, because I would listen to the experts and I wanted to believe them and then I would believe them and I wouldn't come out with this openly. And I, I was this constant chasing in my tail of, of yes, no, yes, no. And then I just said, you know, if I'm gonna do this, I'm just gonna do it. And I, 2007, I came out of the closet with my near-earth experience. And to be honest with you, Alex, I didn't care. I didn't care who listened, who, I didn't care who didn't believe. I didn't even care what other people said. I've had bosses say some horrible things to me. I've had friends, uh, a little bit of family I did have left, just abandoned me. But it wasn't about their, their no. It was about for me, it's like, it's almost like that spiritual warrior. You can do this. You can do this. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Constantly talking to myself. Do it. And I did it. Now, I do have to ask you this because you didn't mention this in your near-death experience. Uh, you, you said that you saw a few things that were going to happen in the future. Yeah. Uh, have you, um, can, can you talk a little bit about some of the things? Because right now, the world's a little bit crazy. Um, we're going through some stuff. Uh, yeah. without, with, and it, it seems to be getting worse. And from what I hear, it's going to continue to get worse until it gets better. I'd love to hear your point of view. What, what did you see that you can say publicly? I can say this. Um, what I saw on the other side was uh, the abuse of artificial intelligence. Mm. Now, I'm going to just loop back around here and go to Westworld. If you've watched Westworld on HBO, especially the third season, there's a lot more truth to that than we realize. Mm. When I began to watch X-Files and, and, and when pay attention to Chris Carter's amazing writing, there's a lot more truth in his writing than that we've been led to believe. Um, we're going to definitely have an ET encounter. It's going to be a, a definitely worldwide event. Uh, I think for me, um, where we are going is to those who have money and the rest of us. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, we're going to have fractions of communities. Uh, there are going to be people leaving the West Coast in, in mass droves. Um, and I think for me, the scary part is where our politics, not just here in the United States, but all around the world are going. And we're seeing that now. But I also see something else that's happening here is where collective intelligence, and, and I guess that we talk about kindness. You're gonna see that people, an uh, example, this type of show that you're experiencing with me and, and your our conversation that we're experiencing today, um, there's a certain audience that listens to this information. Just, you know, you're not gonna have, you know, an evangelical community. You may or may not, but as, as predominant, you're going to have a more spiritually inclined audience that's going to listen to this information. So I'm talking to that particular audience because it is us, the spiritual warriors, if you will. It's not through physical violence that we shift the consciousness, but you know, people like myself and people like you are helping people to believe in something that's beyond reality. And the more and more people like myself and the more, uh, more and more hosts like you 
it's almost like you begin to shift conscious because here's where we are. We've lost faith in our leaders. We've lost faith in our educational system. We've lost faith in the economy. We've lost faith in our faith. And so I think for me as a near-death experiencer, people are turning to people like me and certainly millions of others who've had near-death experiences because they want to hear our side of the story. What did you see on the other side? Did God speak to you? People need hope right now. And our job as, as I guess the, 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 the host Mess- of this time. Of messengers, the messengers. The messengers, yeah, the ambassadors of truth. Our job is to uplift and to share information. And they can make a choice. They can turn away and not believe it, or they can listen to it and say, maybe this stuff is, 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 is informative. Maybe I need to make a, a shift here. Oh, and listen, I mean, I always tell people, because I get asked all the time by people uh, in my my world, they're like, so you talk to channelers and you talk to mediums and you talk to near-death experiencers and like, what is that like? And I always say the same thing. I walk into, you know, any conversation as in, is it true to you? Does it ring true to you? I don't care who the messenger is. I don't care how they're bringing in, if it's through channeling archangels or spirit guides or a near-death experiencer or a medium or a psychic or or just a spiritual guru, I don't care how it comes in. Does the message touch you? Does it ring true to you? If it does, then go with it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, walk away. It's okay. So I, that's the way I approach this entire show is that's why I bring people like yourself on and I bring on channels, I bring on psychics, I bring people like that on because, you know, the the stuff that they say, does it ring true to you? Is it helping you? Is it giving you hope? Is it giving you a better understanding of your journey? If it is, then God bless and go with it. If it doesn't, turn the channel. There's a few other things on YouTube. There's a few other podcasts you can listen to. There's a few other things you can be doing, other books you can be reading. So that's the way I always approach all of this stuff. And I, I very pragmatically, I'm just like, I'm not trying to sell anything to you in this sense. Does it make sense to you? Does it help you? Does it serve you? If it does, if this conversation serves you in some way, then it's been a positive experience, correct? Yeah. Well, for me, I say to those people who come to my lectures, take what applies and dismiss what doesn't. Exactly. In the story. Done. And again, I go back to choice. You have a choice to, to go watch something else. That's your choice. But if there is someone here today that hears something I said or something that you said, and it resonates with their aha, that that little, we go back to that nun, that one little England of kindness, that one little England of wisdom could be the very shift in their consciousness that just moves them forward. And I think for me, what I look at is... If I've done my job today and one person today listens to you and I having a conversation and they go, aha, this makes sense to me, then you and I have done our job. Thank you, God, for that. End of story. And I approach my life from a very simple perspective. Thank you. May I be of service today and provide the people, the places and the situation. And my job is to show up not in fear. Sometimes I do, but not in fear, but in faith. End of story. It's it's kind of like a, a meteor that's coming, you know, hurtling <laughs> towards Earth. All you got to do is nudge it a little bit and it just changes the trajectory. The yeah. bigger the nudge, the faster it changes the trajectory. But even a little nick, like you just said, one little kernel of wisdom that hits them, it shifts them. And then that that trajectory is completely different in 10 years. 
than mm-hmm. it than it would have been. Things like that. And that's how you have to look at these kind of things. Um, well, I can say this, Alex, and I'm just, again, thrilled that you've had a chance to be a part of my life today, this one little phase of my life. But my near-death experience took place in the late 80s. It hasn't happened in terms of your type of shows really shifting conscious until the mid-2000s. And so think about that. So I had to walk this path alone, trying to seek out those people who, it's not that they had to believe me, but at least would listen to me and impart some information that, you know, it's almost like this tapestry, this this tapestry of spiritual information. And one thread at a time, one yarn at a time, I would put it together. And that became my guiding post. That became my guiding, my guiding light. And so for me, as I said, I was smart enough and logical enough as I said, piece the fragments together and and create a, a new path for myself. Yeah, it's it, I can only imagine. And and I've talked to people who had near death experiences in the seventies, and I'm like, my God, what was it like? They're like, it was horrible. <laughs> like there's it wasn't there was nothing there wasn't even the, the term near death experience was even coined yet. Yeah. When some of them were having it, they were just like, I don't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. It's, it's it, it it's. And I and that's I always go back to that, and I tell people I'm like the world is changing, we are evolving. Concepts today are much more accepted in the in the zeitgeist than they were before. Channeling yeah. is something that people talk about. Meditation, yoga, near death experiences, uh, going towards the light. That's a joke at this point. Like don't go to the light and like, things like that. Uh, in 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 general media, so it's. It is changing. It's slow. It's like you said, like we said, like a little nick, and it's been, but the trajectory has moved, and we have, we are evolving, and I'm hoping that we can do it a little quicker. <laughs> well, I want to circle back around. You asked me about, you know, planetary uh, worldwide visions that I've yes. experienced, and I want to sh- share some of your audience because I know I get so many emails and so many phone calls daily, uh, and on my website, and people are a little, they're concerned, and many are hopeless. But at the same time, I think we're in an age right now where truth really matters. And what's happening here, we go back to, yes, what we are experiencing here as a collective consciousness on, on, in the United States and over in, uh, in uh, you know, Europe and just all around the planet. We are, for the first time, I think, because of the internet, able to see a shift in consciousness. I cannot tell you how many people have written me from from overseas, uh, small towns throughout Europe. Uh, I got an email from Moscow. I've got one from China. All these women and men seeing these numbers uh, and don't know why. And I think shows like this, the more and more we speak, the more we shift consciousness. And I think what's happening here on the highest level, we're we're actually seeing what's, what shouldn't be. We're This planet is being exposed. And I think COVID kind of exposed the the environment and, and what could happen if it was the planet shut down for a, a short period of time. We were able to see that the I mean, here in LA, you know, Oceanside, just, the oceans were just amazing. You could see the skyline. So for me and the airplanes that were not in the sky, so we actually got a chance to see what the planet could be. And all of a sudden we're right back to the same old pattern. And what happens here, we are solicited and we are manipulated and we are seduced by greed, by money by the almighty. And so when shows like you come on and talk to guests like me, and we hear something that says, you know what, you know, we are at a point in time of hope. And think about it. You give a person hope, they'll run a mile. You give a person hate, they fear. 
And so we go back to that dichotomy, that paradoxical consciousness. You know, I'd rather give a person hope and show kindness than to scream in battle and 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 have you know the alpha male and the alpha male. That's not what I'm all about these days. I try to keep my life very simple, very very simple. And the other thing too, what is my piece of pie will come to me. So therefore, I don't need this over here. And so I think if we go back into that way of thinking that my pie, my piece of pie will show up. But we always need more. We want more money. We want better education. We want a better uh, condo. We want more money. And there's always that want get mentality. And when you have a get mentality, that's lower consciousness. And when you allow, you receive. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I think that happens through gratitude. That happens when you're at peace, you manifest. And when you're in fear, you circle. Uh, and so I agree. To, to learn to, to navigate within those very simple philosophies. And it works for me. And again, my whole career changed because of my, my, my mathematical abilities. And the other part of my career that I thought was mine disappeared. So I had to learn to embrace this gift of math and say goodbye to this amazing gift that I had before, I can't even draw a stick figure. So it's like, for me, that again, goes back to proof in the pudding. Something happened to be on this side. I mean, Peter, it's been fascinating talking to you, my friend. It, and I've been oh. very, very blessed talking to you. And, and thank you for sharing your story with thank me. You. I, I do have three questions I ask all sure. of my guests. What is your definition of a good life? Simplicity. How do you define God? All-encompassing. Um, the vibration of love is greater than anything we can ever imagine. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? Peace. And where can people find out more about you, your book, and the work that you're doing, sir? Um, I've worked on two docu-series. <laughs> that I really I'm uh, just you know here we go back to that kind of greedy consciousness but no <laughs> this is information that I that I that I feel driven by because it deals with near death and, and its subjects uh, and you know understanding what it's like for so many of us uh, who go through this so imparting information of how these people have had tragic near-earth experiences I'm not afraid of 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 death the process of dying I'm not too eager about right but so I'm working on two docu-series. I hope that they, one of them is already actually in post-production and I'm thrilled about it. And I'm working on one that I really love. And I, I hope that it, it, it comes to fruition. I really do. As you know, the suits can make many changes up there in, in, uh, in LA. Um, but w, the National Profit is where you can reach me. Uh, you can go to my website and read all my different articles I've written, uh, my visions, et cetera. Um, and just give me a jingle and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Peter, again, thank you so much for thank coming you. on the I show. Appreciate. And 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 on all the good work that you're doing in the world. So I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. I want to thank Peter so much for coming on the show and sharing his journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash one five zero. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.